This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at MissoulaChurch.com. life for other people. And so today we want to talk about promises. And how many of you know that I, what I love about promises more than anything else is promises help you plan. If someone says, I want to do a promise for you, then you would hope that you could plan around that. For example, how many of you are grateful that after you work a 40-hour week job that your employer kept their promise? Because you could plan on it. Like if you had that promise, that promise, you know that when that comes in, you can plan on it. It's the same with God, right? Again, David writes to us in Psalms 119. He says it this way, I have banked, I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart. Basically saying, listen, God, you've promised me things. I'm banking it in my heart. I'm gonna count on it. It's like when your kids were little, I said it last week and they said, but mom or dad, you promised Right? It's the same thing. I think God's okay with us going back to him and saying, hey, God, you promised that you would give us these things. You can bank on it. There are promises that you and I can bank on uh, that you can count on. If you are in need, you can plan on that God will provide for you. If, you are, or if you've made mistakes, you can bank on it. You can plan on it that God is going to offer you forgiveness. If you, if you feel alone, you can plan on it. You can bank it that the, lo- the, the love of God is with you, that he will never leave you or forsake you. And here's a promise that you and I can stand on this morning, that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die to wipe away the sins of the world, but he did it to establish his rule over this world, to establish, a, to, to establish you and I as followers of God, to establish the local body, to establish the church. And, and, and he left us here to, to start a new authority, to, to create a space where God can be lifted up, where his kingdom could come. And, and we aren't waiting. And this is the problem with some of the church today is we're not waiting for Jesus to come back and set things right. Like sometimes we think, well, God, we're just waiting. Whenever Jesus comes back, everything's gonna be put back together and, and everything will be right. We're not waiting until Jesus comes back to, to see everything come back to right. We're gonna fight poverty now. We're gonna fight for the marriage and for families now. We're gonna fight against homelessness now. We're gonna fight against unkindness now. This is what the church was called to do, to bring hope, to bring generosity, to offer peace, and more importantly, bring the answer who is Jesus Christ to the world. That's what we do. We should not want to be part, uh, we, I'm sorry, we should want to be part of expanding the kingdom of God. God, because of this promise, because when we expand the kingdom of God, there's a promise attached to it. And let me just say this to you, we are so focused uh, as the church, we, we're, there's so two different kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of the earth. And my fear is that the church has gotten so far, far involved in the kingdom of the earth that we've missed the ultimate plan, which is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of earth will pass away, but the kingdom of God will live forever. So we gotta understand this this morning that when we attach to, when we commit ourselves to building the kingdom of God here on earth, it comes with a promise. Matthew 6 says this way, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. He goes on, he says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can they? No, they definitely can take away from your life though. 
that they can't add. Hear me this morning, I think there's an epidemic of anxiety in America today. There's an epidemic of anxiety in the church today. It's stealing our sleep. It's stealing our opportunities. It's stealing our time with our kids and our families. It's stealing our energy. Our energy. It's messing with our relationships and ultimately even uh, intersecting our relationship with Christ. And a lot of it comes from being worried about these things. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew, why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? He goes on, he says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father always knows all your needs. He already knows all of your needs. And then he gives us the promise. Here's the promise, Matthew 6. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as, they're, they're given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Talk to you today, this, the, the, uh, the great movie promise that you've probably heard a million times, but it's the great movie promise that simply says this, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. Anybody know the Field of Dreams movie, you know? But hear me this morning, there is a spiritual attachment to us today in the church that if we build the kingdom of God, all these things will come. All these things will be added to you. I recently heard a, a preacher talk in and, and, and he talked about, he said, when we were children, when, we're, when you're a children, we value things. When, when, when you're an adolescent, when you become an adolescent, you, you value, we value experiences. But when we mature, we begin to value people. Like, like I think it's true for my life now. I mean, I, I like things. I mean, if my wife wants to get me a new pair of shoes, something in my eye, I'm okay with that. I like things. I like things just as much as the next person, but it's just that when I was a kid and my parents bought me a new bicycle uh, for Christmas or something, that was everything to me. It consumed me. It, it was everything that I wanted, right? But today, it, that's just not, that's just a thing. Like what today, the real gift for me is being able to give my kids gifts and, and watch them be happy. Like today, the real gift for me is the four or five of us standing around the island of our kitchen, we, we stand and eat. We're not sit eaters, we're stand eaters. Anybody else like that? You know, We stand around the island and, and at the end of the day and we just talk about our days and laugh and, and talk about you. And no, no, I'm joking. Um, but, but we sit together as a family. Uh, today, the real gift is being able to call my mom, right? And a couple times a week and hear her voice because my mom is still alive. And so I get that, still get that honor. These are the things that, that I value today. And I think, I think God knows that those are the best gifts, which is why God's gift to humanity was not gold or things because he knew we probably would spend it. Like his, his gift to us was not an experience because he probably knows that we would easily forget the experience. Instead, his gift to all of humanity was his son, Jesus. That was his gift. It was a relationship that he has for us. 
Jesus didn't just die to wipe away the sins of the world. He died to reestablish a bridge, to reestablish a connectedness between humanity and God, a connectedness that had been broken. And he sent his son to reestablish that so that we can have that relationship. He died to give us a relationship that we could never outspend. He died to give us a relationship that, he, we could, that would never get old. And he died to give us a relationship that, that we could never, ever forget. A relationship uh, is, 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 that is with us in the good times and in the bad times. And the best part about this relationship, the best part about it is this, it's a free gift. It's a totally free gift because that's what gifts are, right? Imagine if you, you, know, you had Christmas or your birthday and you open a bunch of gifts and, and afterwards they say, okay, that'll be $300, please. It would kind of defeat the purpose, right? That's not really what a gift is. Um, However, like the exercise bike or exercise equipment you got for Christmas, a gift is only good if you use it. A gift is only good if you, you, you use it. It's one thing to have a relationship with Jesus. It's another thing to build on that relationship with Jesus. When Kim and I got married... We had, a, we had a relationship. We, we, we did everything together. We, it was good. Like, we went shopping together. We, I mean, we did everything together. We, we loved each other, but love was all we had. <laughs> we didn't have anything else. And some people would say, well, you know, love is all you need, right? I think there was a song about that. But love is all you need. And, and that's true until you get hungry. Um, then you realize you better get to work. <laughs> you better do something else. Love ain't gonna pay the bills, right? Anyway, so we didn't have much, but, but we had this relationship. But we committed, and we committed ourselves to building that relationship. And as we committed to building the relationship, something happened. The relationship evolved. What happened, when, and what happens when a relationship evolves is it becomes a home. This home is what has produced some things in my life. This home, this relationship that evolved into a home has produced three college degrees between the two of us. This, this home has produced two wonderful, Jesus-loving, serving children. This home has produced uh, wonderful vacation and funny memories. In fact, I would even say this home has produced what's happening in this church right now as the lead pastor. It was, it was the home, right? It was the home that produced it. Relationships, the relationship allowed it, but the home produced it. And you have, you, you have a relationship with Jesus, but until you build upon that relationship, you'll never, until you step into the home of Jesus, you will not receive all the things that come from that relationship. You've got to build on it. You've got to work at it. The gift is free, but the home takes work. It takes a little bit of effort. It takes a little bit of sacrifice to build your home. It takes a little bit less of yourself and a little bit more of others. It takes a little bit of saying, it's not about me. It takes a little bit of understanding that as the home goes, I go. The home for God, but the home for God for us this morning is the kingdom of God. And as we begin to build a home for us and for humanity, all these things shall be added. In other words, the more we begin to foster our relationship with God, the more we begin to build our relationship with God, then that scripture becomes more of a reality. All these things begin to add to you. They begin to add for you. In other words, if you build it, those things will come. If you build it, 
those things will come. So what does it mean to seek the kingdom? What does it mean to build the kingdom of God? I'm gonna give you a couple real quick this morning as we go through this. I believe this, that if we're going to seek the kingdom, if we're gonna build the kingdom of God, then number one, we gotta understand this, we gotta sow into the kingdom. We gotta sow into the kingdom. I'm gonna make a little disclaimer here for just one moment. I'm about to talk about finances for just a moment. Don't freak out. All right, I feel like we need to say that every time money comes from the pulpit, it's like, oh, here we go. Especially if you're new and you're like, man, this, I heard the church talks about money. We don't talk that much about money. But, but I also wanted you to understand that, that though we need your generosity to continue to go, grow, we are, we're doing good as a church. We, we have zero debt, praise God. Um, I love the fact that our salaries of our staff are below national averages. Every one of our spouses work an extra job to make ends meet. Uh, we're not all driving uh, really nice cars, maybe Pastor Matt, but the rest of us are not driving really nice cars. I'm just kidding. Uh, but but uh, the reality is this. We, you know, it's, not, it's not just about the money. Here's why I care. Here's why it matters. Get this this morning. If we are to grow as a church, and if you are to grow as a follower of Christ, it will be tied to your giving and your generosity. It'll be tied to your giving and your generosity. As the church grows in generosity, the church grows in impact and reach. And that's just a reality. Because here's the other good news for all of us that you might not always hear. You will always reap more than you sow. You'll always reap more than you sow. It's not just a 50-50. You're always gonna reap more than what you put back in. But here's the deal. I'm not just passionate about what it does out there and what it does for our church when we sow back into the kingdom. I'm even more passionate about what it does right here in your own heart. When we, I wrote down this way. When we give, the kingdom grows. When we give, the kingdom grows. Look what Matthew 6 says again. Don't store up for treasures on earth where moths eat them and, and, and rust destroys them and their thieves break in and steal. It goes on and says, store your treasures in heaven where moths of moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And then the famous scripture, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now listen, every time, maybe you too, if you've been in church for a while, every time I've read this verse or heard it preached, we typically preach it from this perspective, that whatever you give to, your passion in that thing grows. Whatever you give to, wherever your heart is, then, then your passion for it, that treasure grows. And that's absolutely true, right? I believe that. I mean, uh, the shoes that I care the most about in my closet are the ones that I paid the most for, right? So, so there's my, does anybody have their outside shoes? I have my outside shoes, like right? Those are the ones I found at clearance at TJ Maxx, right? That were like $13. Those are the outside shoes that I don't really care that much about. All that's true. But there's another revelation when you take into context the context of this verse. Matthew chapter six, right? Where your treasure is, your heart will be, is the same passage that's connected to do not worry. Where your treasure is, your heart is, is the same passage that's connected to do not worry. Listen, the context of where your treasure is, your heart is also, is tied to anxiety. It's tied to anxiety. What if that's the reason why we're so anxious? Because we've connected our heart to the wrong places. Could it be that we're putting our treasure in the most vulnerable of places? And because our treasure is there, our heart is there, and we get anxious. We get anxious. So I'll illustrate this way. My friend's gonna help me. I got this vase here. 
I don't know if anyone, this, this is a great, this, this image is like your life savings, right? Everything in this is in your life savings. And I don't know if this looks familiar to anybody this morning when you walked in, uh, but, but, but maybe you walked in and you saw this on the floor and it said this right here, like caution, this is very expensive. I don't know if anybody watched it and saw it, but that's kind of what we, we had to lay it on the floor like there with the sign out in the foyer. This is very, very expensive. Watch out for it. And that's kind of how it is. We put it on the floor. People were like, oh, whoa, okay, that's expensive. I better watch, watch out for that. Whoa, don't, wait, watch out. Don't, don't touch that. How many had a, maybe I have a kid like, get away from it. No, no, that's not what you did, hopefully. But, but, but we get away from the expensive things. I, and basically what we were trying to do is we're trying to make a point to you that most of you don't, I know that most of you probably don't believe that this item was really that valuable. And probably for most of us, why? Because we would never put something that valuable on the ground where it could be stolen, trampled, or even stepped on. The Bible says that where your treasure is, your heart is also. Can I tell you that I would never put my heart on the ground? Like where it could be stepped on, trampled, stomped on. And maybe that's why we're so anxious, right? Because this is how we live life with our heart on the ground and our value and everything that's on earth. We're like, oh my gosh, the stock market. What if it falls tomorrow? Oh my gosh, who's going to be the next president? Lord, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. You know, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, watch out for that. Oh, careful. That's how we live life. Oh, what if, 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 what if? That's how we live life, are constantly moving back and forth between the anxiousness of what's to come and the anxiousness of the things that we hold so valuable. Why do we do this? Why did, why, what did it say to us in this scripture? Don't store up your treasure on earth. Don't store up your treasure on earth. There, how many, there's too much traffic down there. There's too much chaos down there. There's too much uncertainty and there's too many distractions down there. That's not where it was intended to be. This is why we're anxious because we built our lives on the things of this earth. The reality is this, it's like that's not what we're intended to do. If we were really smart, if we were really smart, we would put the things that we value, especially the spiritual things, in high places. Pastor Steve's gonna help me real quick because um, he's one of the taller people on our team. We are a staff of vertically challenged people, except for Pastor Steve. So he's gonna help me here for just a moment, but, but, but why not put it in, in, in high places where we can't reach it? Like why, why do we put so things so accessible to our anxiousness and to the world and to the earth? Why not the things where your treasure is your heart, wouldn't you wanna put your heart in the high places where nothing else can, can come after it, where nothing else could attack it? The Bible says this, that, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Why not put it in that? Like the Bible says that, 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 that he, he, he can shake the foundations of Mount Zion, high places. Did you guys know this? That every time that God tries to give you peace, he talks about high places, high places, because when it's in the high places, the things of the earth can't touch it. They can't touch it, right? So when that coworker, right, that family member that's driving you up a wall, 
That, that neighbor that you're just like, oh, that person that wants you to lose your salvation, why not put your heart in high places so even so that they can't get to you because your heart is on another level. Like if someone breaks into your Bank of America, your Wells Fargo or your first security account, it doesn't matter what they took from you on the earth because your heart is in a high place. It's in a high, high, high place. I've lost my home. I've, I've lost all the, uh, my friends and my relationships. That's okay. Your heart's in a high place. You're not focused on the earth. You're not taken up by these things. Listen, we spend a lot of money trying to stay healthy and look good. We straight up spend a lot of money trying not to be sick and we still get sick, right? Don't freak out. You know what the Bible says about your body? It's a tent. It's just a tent, right? Put your heart in high places. The next body, put them on the next level. So I would say to you this morning, listen, cancer can't touch this body. Heart disease can't touch this body. Diabetes can't, Pastor Steve, touch this body. Depression and anxiety can't touch that body. Put your heart in high places. Thank you, Pastor Steve. You did good just time. You didn't have to switch hands. Let's put our hearts in the things that we value in those high, high, high places, right? I love it. You gotta get your treasure off the ground and into heaven. Think I wrote it down this way. When we build the kingdom, I believe peace will come. If you're looking for peace in your life today, Put your efforts into building the kingdom of God in your life personally, in your family, and in your church. So if we wanna build the kingdom and see things happen in your life, then we have to also do number two, we have to serve the kingdom. If we wanna build the kingdom and see the promises of God in our lives, then we have to build the kingdom. It's not just about money, y'all. Look at 1 Timothy writes, command them, do, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. You know you can be generous with your talents. You can be generous with your skills. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your effort. He goes on and writes, in the same way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. In the same way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. I, don't, I wanna give you a new revelation today. Maybe it's not new, but I don't know if you know this or not, but... but this life ends. Did you know that? Did you know that your, this life ends? Okay, you didn't. If, okay, maybe you need to be reminded if you do on your way home, drive by our graveyard and it will remind you that this life will end. This life will end, right? And, and we know this life will end and there will be another life that comes after this life, a whole nother life. And this life, when it ends, I wanna encourage you for all my teachers in the room, there will be a final exam. There's gonna be a final exam. I don't know if you know that, but at the end of this life, there's a final exam. I used to be a college professor, and, and I remember my first semester, I was one of those guys that come in and said, I, I wanna be known as the super hard teacher. Like, I don't want anyone to pass my class. Like, I, I wanna be hard. I, I want them to be in the dining hall, students saying, don't take Pastor Heath's class, it's too hard. I wanted to be that guy. And so I made a really, really hard final exam that barely anyone passed my first semester. And I remember getting called into the academic dean's office saying, hey, all the kids failed your class. You gotta have to lighten up. <laughs> and uh, I lightened up quite a bit. So I, so I switched up and I, and I wrote the final the next semester. And here's what I did. I gave it to them at the beginning of the class. At the beginning of the semester, I said, this is what's on the final. Prepare now. Pass this and you'll pass the class. 
Would you believe it? People still failed the class. They knew the answers. They knew the questions. They just didn't prepare. And I think this morning, it's my job as the pastor of this church to prepare you for the final exam. When you face the Father, when this life is over, and I'm gonna tell you now, this final exam has two questions on it. It's a two-question test. Here's the first question you're gonna be asked. What did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with my son, Jesus? And there's only one right answer to this question, right? So let me help you pass earth today. It's simply this. I received his free gift. I received his free gift. I love God so much that because if that's your answer, if you can simply say, I received his free gift, guess what? You pass. You pass. But here's what they don't tell us enough. There's also, for everybody who passes that question, there's a second question. And the second question, 2 Corinthians 5, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So here's what God's going to ask us, the second question. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? With the talents I gave you? With the personality I gave you? With maybe the musical ability that I gave you? With the forgiveness that I gave you? With the the resources I gave you? What did you do with the sense of humor that I gave you, right? And here's what I encourage you, church. It's not that he's coming to punish you, by the way. It's not, it's not about punishment. I, I think he's, a, he's not asking the question to harm us. I think he's asking the question because, I mean, if you look at Revelations 22, the very ending, look what it says. Look, I am coming back soon. My reward, did you get that? My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I mean, this is how awesome. What did you do with what God gave you so that the reward, you can get the reward. Like salvation, like if salvation wasn't enough, he's saying, I'm gonna reward you. I have more that I wanna give you because you've helped build the kingdom on earth. I love it this way. I wrote this, let's, let's build the kingdom and purpose will come. Let's build the kingdom and watch purpose come in your life. That's why I wanna invite you today. Listen, I wanna invite you in 2024, here at the beginning, to move from the sidelines onto the field. To move from the sidelines onto the field. This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at MissoulaChurch.com.